Well, Jude has been telling us of the unnoticed ones, these, uh, these misleading ones that, that rage against God and rage against authority. We saw that last week because of their, their thinking or their reasoning is very much about their own authority, that they, they are the authority, period. You know, when, when I see that in history, I, you know, I'm like, okay, that, that person's full of pride, right? You know, they're only about oneself. Well, Jude writes this next after coming through that section. And he says, woe to them. Woe's meaning is, is one of sorrow and great distress. Jude writes this to, to them, that this, this agony, this distress or sorrow would be brought upon them by themselves. You know, they are bringing trouble to themselves because of the path they choose to be upon. Jude says, for they walked in the way of Cain. They have done this. These unnoticed ones have departed from life and they continue upon that journey. So it's a, it's a continuous action. We find the story in uh, story of Cain in Genesis 4. If you turn in your Bibles with me there, please. And uh, we'll just read uh, verses 1 through 10 of Genesis 4. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. We see from this history in Genesis that you know, it tells us of these, these two brothers. One is a keeper of sheep and, and one is the worker of ground. And each one of them bring this offering before the Lord and, and the Lord accepts Abel's. We actually don't clearly know why or what was wrong with Cain's because it's the, the pre-Mosaic era and we don't really know much about the, the ordinances of that time. But we understand from Hebrews 11.4 it says, 
that Abel gave his offering by faith. So, so Cain's offering was not regarded and he was, he was angry. And the Lord actually comes to him. He comes to Cain telling him, you know, this is, this is what you need to do. You know, you know what's right. And he actually warns Cain of sin at the door. It is, it is at hand and you must rule over it. But instead of listening to the Lord, Cain met with his brother, walked out into a field and killed him. Jude points out to Cain because he, he's showing his hearers this, that pride is the chief sin of man. Richard Baxter is a 16th century Puritan. He says this, self is the most treacherous enemy and the most insinuating deceiver, deceiver in the world. Of all other vices, it is both the hardest to find out and the hardest to cure. It's, it's a, a subtle way, a, a sneaky turn. And yet if it's not dealt with, there's woe to come. There's folly and, and sorrow. And, we, and we, you can read on and see Cain's sorrow of the subject. You know, this, this small thing, these little choices, even the, the friends we have, uh, the way a, a, a community acts, and even the whole of a nation, you know, it, it seems that these small things can become very big things. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. actually read uh, what the Lord says to the Pharisees and the scribes about some of the, the things that were against them in verses 13 through 16. It says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across the sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much as a child of hell as yourselves. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You know, those were the leading people, the leading religious elite that were to be leading the Jewish nation had actually shut the doors to the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. And they themselves, Jesus says, will not enter. You know, even as they outreached, even as they went through sea and land, they, I mean, you look at the book of Acts, how many synagogues does Paul run into? It's quite a few, right? They were out there. They were going and making, as Jesus says, children of hell. These proselytes were being misled by, by vain, vain ways. They were, in fact, blind guides saying that a promise upon the temple didn't matter, but a promise upon the gold mattered. They didn't see that the temple was significant in the fact that 
right there, the kingdom of heaven and earth met. You know, so he is saying, this is what you're bringing upon yourself, this sorrow, this gloom. You know, these leaders needed to do the right thing to open up the kingdom of heaven and seek it themselves. You know, to know that the temple signified where God was meeting with man. You know, coming back to the story of Cain, we see that Cain didn't do the right thing. Even though Cain was informed by God himself to do the right thing, to overcome sin, he went the wrong way. In his pride, Cain was about himself. And there was no prophet to Cain. There was no prophet for the scribes and the Pharisees in Jesus' day, or even people today, because there's no gain in it. There's no gain in, in gaining the whole world, yet forfeiting our souls. Now Jude then turns and says that they abandoned themselves for the sake of Balaam's error. You know, we mostly know Balaam because, hey man, there's a talking donkey in that story. That's really cool, right? A talking donkey that saves him from death. Uh, we see that he is actually called in the book of Numbers by, by a king named Balak. And he's called to, to curse the people of Israel. You know, hey, they're, they're coming around. They're going to go into the promised land. Can we, can we stop them somehow? You know, and he actually, in fact, blesses them and uh, does what the Lord had put before him. But the, the story doesn't end there. We actually come to Numbers chapter 25, if you want to turn there with me. So after, after the donkey, after the, the blessings, we, we come to chapter 25, and this is after Balaam and Balak had gone home, it says in Numbers 24, 25. And we'll read this in the first 13 verses of chapter 25. When Israel lived in Sitma, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. These invited the people to sacrifice to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, Take all of the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, Each of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel. And while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting, when Pineshan, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest saw it. He rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand and went after the man of Israel 
into the chamber and pierced both of them, and the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died in the plague were 24,000. And the Lord said to Moses, Pinehas, the son of Israel, the son of Aaron, the priest, had turned back my wrath from the people of Israel in that he was jealous with my jealousy among them so that I did not consume the people of Israel with my jealousy. Therefore, say, behold, I am giving him my covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and his descendants after the covenant of the perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God had made atonement for the people of Israel. Right, right here in, in Numbers 25, we, we see the immediate issue. Israel was, was brought in to relation with another people, to another God, and they bowed and were actually yoked to Baal. So the anger of the Lord came against them. And so the Lord tells Moses, this is, this is what to do, to do away with what they have been yoked to. Uh, to a false god. And in this folly, 24,000 people die by a, by a plague from the Lord. For they had yoked themselves to a false god. And yet God in this time notes that the zeal of one turned the wrath of the Lord. Moses tells the people that this, is, this was an error. And this is why this plague happened. Yet, at first glance, you, you're like, okay, where's, where's Balaam in this? Where's, where's the error? I, he's not mentioned in the story. <laughs> well, you actually find the, the rest of the story, the Paul Harvey edition in, in verses uh, 1 through 20 of Numbers 31. And if you want to turn there with me, please. And this, uh, this is the other, the other part of the story. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterwards you shall be gathered to your people. So Moses spoke to the people saying, Arm the men from among you for war, that they may go against Midian to execute the Lord's vengeance on Midian. You shall send a thousand from each of the tribes of Israel to war, so there will be provided out of the thousands of Israel, a thousand from each tribe, twelve thousand armed for war. And Moses sent them to war, a thousand from each tribe, together with Parsh, uh, Pine, Pine's hand, the son of Eleazar the priest, with the vessels of the sanctuary and the trumpets for the alarm in his hand. They warred, warred against Midia. And as the Lord commanded Moses in killing every male, they killed the king of Midian and the rest of their slain, Evra, Rechem, Zer, Her, and Ribah, and the five kings of Midian. And they also killed Baalim, the son of Bor, with a sword. And the people of Israel took captive the women of Midian and their little ones, and they took the plunder with all their cities and their flocks and all their goods and all their cities and the places where they lived. 
and all the encampments they burned with fire and took all the spoils and all the plunder, both of men and of beasts. And they brought the captives and the plunder and the spoil to Moses and to Eleazar the priest and to the congregation of the people of Israel at the camp of the plains of Moab by the Jordan at Jericho. Moses and Eleazar the priest and all the chiefs of the congregation went to meet them outside the camp. And Moses was angry with the officers of the army and the commanders of the thousands and the commanders of the hundred, hundreds who, come, who had come to the service in the war. But Moses said to them, Have you let all the women live? Behold, these, on Balaam's advice, caused the people of Israel to act treacherously against the Lord in the incident of Peor. So the plague came among the congregation of the Lord. Now therefore kill every male among the little ones and every woman who has known a man by lying with him. But all the young girls who have not known a man by lying with him keep alive for yourselves and camp outside the camp for seven days Whoever you, ha whoever you has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. And you shall purify every garment, every article of skin, all the works of goat hair, and every article of wood. Now here we see the Lord tell Israel, he told Israel to avenge themselves upon the Midianites. So they did this and they brought all these spoils of war and, and Moses is angry because these are the same women they brought into the encampment that brought Balaam's error. They came and they seduced the people at Peor. So Moses tells Israel, purify yourselves and everything else so at first, Balaam had done what was right. He had done what the Lord put before him to bless Israel. But maybe as he was going home, he told the Midianites, do this. Well, it cost him his life. Elsewhere, it tells us in Scripture in Revelation 2.14 that Balaam had actually taught Balak to put this stumbling block before the sons of Israel. Now, Balaam's error was one of gain, you know, one of forsaking the right way, of, of lo loving gain for wrongdoing. You know, on, the, on the side of the Israelites, it was an error of worship, of, of thinking, hey, this is, this is okay, of being yoked with the wrong thing. You know, and, and Moses tells them they need to be apart from this. Now, Balaam's error was an error of, of being a misleader and of also, you know, not, not just himself, but tons of others died. You know, from, you know, for today, we can, we can learn from these examples to not, to not mix any form of worship with sin because there is no gain in this error. You know, these examples of, of the Old Testament show us that our actions matter greatly to God. And we, we, the church, the, the bride of Christ, can learn from, from the apple of God's eye, from Israel. 
And so Balaam did, though he did what was right at first, you know, he, he spoke what was before him. This one little error caused a lot of people's pain. It cost him his life and others his life, the Midianites their lives. You know, these, these big errors or small errors or you know, choices in life cost because they are errors. Uh, to quote from Richard Baxter one more time, he, he says this, before and after you read scripture, pray earnestly that the spirit who wrote it may interpret it for you, keep for you, keep you from unbelief and error and lead you into truth. You know, when it comes to, to scripture, when it comes to how we worship, that we would let the spirit and the truth lead the way to lead us away from error. It, it, it lines up right with Proverbs, right? <laughs> right, what we talked about this morning, that we wouldn't even knock on that door, but seek this and only go this way. Because th those doors don't lead to any meaningful gain. Now then Jude comes, comes to say that the unnoticed ones have in fact perished in Korah's rebellion. Uh, this rebellion is found uh, against Moses. It's actually found in the book of Numbers as well. Uh, please uh, turn over to Numbers 16. And um, we actually see the, the whole history in verses 1 through 35 if you want to read the whole story. But we'll just read some of the highlights. And in verses 1 through 3, it starts out this, this way. Now Korath, the son of Ezhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, I can, I can say that one, <laughs> and, and Danhai, and Aaron, the son of Elbem, and On, the son of Parath, and the sons of Reuben, took men, and they rose up before Moses with a number of people of Israel, 250 chiefs of the congregation chosen from the assembly, well-known men. And they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron, saying this to them, saying to them, You have gone too far, for all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord. And we, we see here that Korath rises up all of these people and he, he brings his whole posse to before Moses and, and says, you know, your, your claims have gone too far. You know, you, you claim that, you know, you're above people. You know, he, uh, Korath actually claims that the entire congregation is holy and that the Lord is among them. And so Moses shouldn't be exalted above the old. You know, as we read on in the story, we see that Moses actually takes time to say, you know, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do, and the Lord's going to show you know, who he is and who is holy and who is, who is near to him. So Moses is like, well, let's, let's see. Let's, let's test this out. So Moses instructs them on what to do, and to wait for the Lord's choosing in the morning. 
know, this, this rebellion is not just against Moses' leadership, but it's actually directed to the sons of Levi as well, that they, they are above the congregation as well, um, ministering to them all. The charge uh, is against Moses that he brought them out of a land of, of milk and honey, is actually stated in in the text, and that he wants to make them uh, make himself a prince. So he not only came to bring them out to kill them, but he brought them out to put himself. I'm like, wait, if you're dead, you can't. Never mind. <laughs> but uh, you know they, and then they state this that you didn't bring us to the promised land. Well, if you turn back to Numbers 14, who's the people saying we're not going into the land? It's the people, right? It wasn't Moses. Moses wanted to go in. So in, in the morning, they place all their, their censers and their fire before the Lord, and the glory of the Lord appears. And verses 20 through 24 state this, And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin? And will you be angry with all the congregation? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying to the congregation, Say to the congregation, Get away from the dwellings of Korath, Danath, and Aharm. The Lord came to Moses and said, I'm going to, I'm going to take them all out. I'm, I'm, I'm going to wipe out this entire congregation. But Moses and Aaron, yet again, and throughout the entirety of numbers and their entire time as leaders fall on their faces, not for one man's sin, not, not the whole. So the Lord tells them to separate from those three households that had led the rebellion. So Moses tells the people, you know, depart, depart from them, to not touch anything of theirs. Moses actually lays it down on the line and says, if they die normally, if they just pop over dead, then the Lord's not with me. But if the ground swallows them up, I've been sent by the Lord. As he finished saying that in verses 31 through 35, as he, uh, and as soon as he finished speaking all of these words, the ground under them split apart and the earth opened up its mouth and swallowed them with their households and all the people who belonged to Korath and all their goods. And so they and all, their, all that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol and the earth closed up over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled and cried, for they said, At least the earth swallow us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering incense. Now their, their claims were in fact lies. Their, their offerings seen not acceptable. And they were consumed by earth and consumed by fire. For they had rebelled against the Lord. They had in fact claimed that the Lord was with them. They were saying that they were holy, but put to the test they were found out to be false ones. So it is pointed out here that their worship was actually not fixed upon the Lord, but fixed upon their own standing. You know, their, their worship 
and our, and our worship needs to be pointed to the Lord about who he is and what he has done and the standing of what he has given us alone. So we understand that rebellion, that sin, takes us the wrong way. And therefore, we must seek to worship God rightly with our words and our action and, and, our, and our doctrine to sing and speak unto the Lord and to stand before him. We need to be gripped by him. To uh, quote from Moody's book, it's uh, gripped by the greatness of God. They say this, to really be gripped by your identity in God's greatness, you must wade out of the shallow waters of self-absorption, big word for today, <laughs> Un into the deep waters of praising him all the time for all things. Remember, God formed you for that very purpose. Embrace your identity as a forgiven worshiper to this old patient God. No, for today, we, we know that there's the issue of fleeing from, from idols, of fleeing from wrong forms of worship. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 14. We understand that this is a continuous issue because worship itself is actually a continuous issue and is to be a continuous issue. And that's Hebrews 13, 15. So in that, we must seek to not worship God vainly, but to let our hearts and our mouths be near to him. And that's Matthew 15 through 9, if you want to read that. And we seek to worship the Lord in spirit and truth with our breath and our, and our doctrine. And you don't have to read. You can watch cool videos. There's awesome videos you can learn from too. Um, you don't have to read the thick theology books either but that we would know what we believe and why we believe it. You know, so when we come around to see the way of Cain and the gain of, of Balaam and the rebellion of Korath, we see that these, these wrong actions really looked like worship issues too, right? That they, they were going about it the wrong way. It was you know, the wrong way of worship and the wrong way of, of wanting to go about things. You know, in you know, in these issues, it's it's easy, you know, to to be misled because they might be appearing as small, but in fact are are big issues. You know, unlike making pizzas, you know, the toppings, the crust, the the way you cut it doesn't really matter. I mean, sometimes I've had some pizzas that are weirdly cut. And I'm like, oh, can you cut this correctly, please? <laughs> but you know. The, that doesn't really matter. You know, taste matters. But when it comes to the error of life before God, it leads to rebellion, to death, to destruction. Henry Ward Beecher, an 18th century American pastor, says this, Whatever is almost true is quite false, and among the most dangerous of errors, because being so near to truth is more likely to lead astray. Yet we must see the error of Cain's way. We must see the error of gain, of gain that Balaam sought, and we must see the error of Cain, uh, Karath's rebellion. 
because it means that the little things in life matter. You know, that, that feeling or gain or lies can mislead. You know, those, those things that those three dealt with can mislead. So when it comes to today, we start first and foremost by seeking to worship God in spirit and truth. And it is a, a diligent matter. It's a, a matter that we take on diligently because it is a worthy place to be. You know, we, we take it on diligently because things in the world and even things in and of ourselves can lure us away from what matters most. And seeking the way, the way of Jesus, Jesus is the way, and of being about gaining him alone and not being a rebel, but being about delighting in God and his truth. Now let's, let's close in prayer. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for time to, to be in your word and time to, to be here together, to gather and to be assembled before you and sing to you and, and what you have done that the, that the lamb has, has overcome in a world so full of questions and, and angst about who shall overcome. You know, I think of that picture in, in Revelation of, of, of John weeping because there's no one to open up the scroll. And the angel points and, and says, no, the, the lamb is worthy. The, the worthy lamb has overcome that, that Jesus has paid the price and that you know, today, today is the day to, to come and know him, to, to rest in his salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. And we thank you, Lord, for the, the truth of scripture even in looking in, in what these people have, have done in the, the, the wrong way and everything to, to have you teach us from these things, to, to not rebel, but to be steadied by your wise hand, to be about your way and will in, in today's world. And we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for this time together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.